Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Womack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And we are going to start today's show off with a bit of breaking news. <laughs> and I didn't even want to bring this up because literally... The season has not even started yet. They just started putting pads on, these players have. And my dynasty team, my main, my dynasty team in my main home league that I won the championship last year, I'm the odds on favorite to win it this year. It's falling apart. It's crumbling. We've got Lamar Jackson dealing with the groin injury. We've got Miles Sanders dealing with a lower body injury, whatever that means. And now we've got Kenyon Drake spotted in a walking boot. And how about the early second round pick, the guy I've been touting, the rookie I've probably been touting the hardest all offseason long outside of, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Brennan Ayuk's dealing with the leg injury. Oh, my, my players are going down and I don't like it. Um, Lamar Jackson did return to practice today or return to practice on Monday. Kenyon Drake, you know, they're downplaying it, which I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm not very optimistic. I downplaying it is better than saying, you know, it's the end of the world. Um, I guess Kenyon Drake said he was wearing a walking boot as a precautionary measure last off season. I don't remember it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember it. Hopefully he's okay. Um, I don't have much of him, but I do have him, like I said, in my main home dynasty league that I really want to repeat in. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I'm sure will be fine. It's a hamstring injury. Um, but, I mean, obviously, like I said, I've said it before, I'm not a doctor. And even if I was, I'm not the 49ers team doctor. So I don't know the severity of Ayuk's hamstring injury. Um, we still got a few weeks to go to the season. And stuff like this is probably, I mean, to be expected that, you know, the hamstring strains and stuff, just because of how this is probably the longest Brandon Ayuk and some of these, these other players have gone without doing, you know, hardcore football activities, I mean, what, since high school, maybe, maybe even sooner. So, you know, a long layoff like this, the quarantine, and then getting back into football drills and trying to, you know, cram as much in as possible, especially for these rookies, it makes sense that some stuff like this would happen. But, right now, we need to switch over to the theme of the show, Basically, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, discussing the players that will benefit, the players that could benefit from the upcoming 2021 
free agent class. So without further ado, let's get started. The first guy I want to talk about is a rookie this year that I'm honestly not super excited about. I do have him in a couple of leagues just because he was a second round wide receiver and he's going way too late in rookie drafts based on that draft capital. You know, we've I've ran through the numbers. You know, you can go look at go listen to my rookies and wide you know, my wide receiver draft capital correlation episode and I run down the numbers of how successful uh, wide receivers have been based on where they were drafted. I know it's not a direct correlation, but I mean it's pretty it's pretty substantial to say the least. So the fact that we have round three and four wide receivers and round three and four running backs going ahead of Van Jefferson in rookie drafts is bad process in my opinion. It's it's not playing the percentages. You know, you want to take Zach Moss or Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of Van Jefferson because they're running backs and especially I mean Zach Moss should have a role, you know, early on. That's okay. That's fine. I mean I'm not I can't really get mad at that, especially because I don't love Van Jefferson. And I don't think he's in a very good spot to accrue value in 2020. But we fast forward to free agency in 2021. Cooper Cup is in the last year of his deal. And yes, they could re-sign him. They probably should re-sign him, but that doesn't mean that they will resign him. They've got a lot of money tied up in Aaron Donald. They've got a lot of money tied up in Jared Goff. They've got a lot of money tied up or will have a lot of money tied up in Jalen Ramsey. I don't know that they can pay Cooper Cup maybe what the market will be willing to pay Cooper Cup. And maybe that's why they drafted Van Jefferson. Maybe Van Jefferson is Cooper Cup's replacement. These dudes are the exact same height. They're both 6'2". Van Jefferson is 200 pounds. Cooper Cup came in at 194. They're similar sizes and similar builds. <laughs> um, so this is just pure speculation. This isn't me saying that Cooper Cup 100% change teams next year, but it kind of makes sense that, you know, like I said, they drafted what could be considered a clone of Cooper Cup, you know, the year, you know, you know, the year or the draft before Cooper Cup plays the final season of his deal. I've not heard any rumors of a contract extension, any kind of talks. And so, yeah, I don't know. We could be looking at, basically the point of this exercise is to say that even though Van Jefferson, let's say you probably got him in the third round of your rookie draft, maybe even later. I know I've gotten, I got him in the fourth round a couple times. Um, basically, you fast forward to next offseason. If Cooper Cup is gone, Van Jefferson's value spikes. You know, he's getting a little bit, he's getting some some pretty rave reviews from Sean McVay, but that's to be expected, honestly. Uh, but if they're true and he can go out and he can flash 
a la, you know, if he can have a Deontay Johnson-esque rookie season and then Cooper Cup leaves after the 2020 season, you're going to be able to flip Van Jefferson if you want for quite a bit more than what you paid to acquire him. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move on to the next person. Uh, I'm not doing super deep dives into these guys. These are just, I just wanted to touch on some people that will be, you know, like, like they, they're in prime position to be more valuable one year from now than what they are right now. Next guy on the list with Christian Kirk. Look, we all love Christian Kirk, right? I've never met, I've never met a smart fantasy analyst or fantasy gamer that doesn't like Christian Kirk. We know Christian Kirk is talented. I think the dude was putting up 1,000 yard seasons as a freshman in college at Texas A&M. The dude's good. He's a good ball player. We know he's, we know him to be a good ball player. We know that he was playing hurt last year when he, you know, he, came, he got injured, came back, was playing hurt. Um, was still seeing a pretty significant target share. And I'm assuming this will be Larry Fitzgerald's last year in Arizona. I'm not worried about Hakeem Butler. Unfortunately, you know, this goes back to the second round wide receiver thing. Unfortunately, I'm not worried about Andy Isabella either. I want Andy Isabella to be a thing, but, you know, I wanted him to do something. I know he had a couple of big plays last year. He had a long touchdown, but, you know, you bring in DeAndre Hopkins. And maybe, I mean, Andy Isabella's ceiling is to be the wide receiver three in this offense, I think, now. And, you know, that doesn't scare me away from Christian Kirk for Dynasty. Um, you know, especially if if DeAndre Hopkins is vacuuming up a bunch of targets this season and Larry Fitzgerald's going out and doing his thing, you can acquire Christian Kirk and then assuming Larry Fitzgerald retires after you know after this season, Christian especially if the Cardinals offense looks, you know, if it takes a step forward, Kyler Murray takes a step forward. Christian Kirk is going to be worth, you know, much more in the 2021 offseason than he's worth right now. So, like I said, just another guy to keep your eye on. <laughs> this one right here is, I don't know, it's gross. It's gross, but it's Rashad Penny of the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson is a free agent after this year. The dude's probably gone. I don't see the Seahawks re-signing Chris Carson to a long-term deal. Rashad Penny still has this year and next year. And if Seattle wants to, they can pick up his fifth-year option uh, because he was a first-round pick, as gross as that is. I mean, Rashad Penny is basically, he has no value right now. He has no value in Dynasty. You can acquire him as, you know, if you go make, say, if you go make a trade and your trade partner has Rashad Penny and you've got the room on your roster, see if they'll throw Rashad Penny in there. You know, because if they let Chris Carson walk, which I can't imagine they're going to pay him that much money, 
especially if he continues his fumbling up. You know, if they let Chris Carson walk, then, I mean, Rashad Penny is going to at least have the trade value of a Raheem Mostert. He'll have the trade value next season of at least probably a Raheem Mostert or Devin Singletary this year, which I get wasn't super high, but it was enough, you know, to it's enough to get you to bring in a decent player if you don't like that particular one. <laughs> I'm probably gonna laugh at that every single time. Speaking of Raheem Mostert, he's the next guy I have on this list. The 49ers can move on from both Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman after this season if they want to. I imagine if they did that, they would bring in... I'll talk about this a little bit later, but the this upcoming free agent class plus the rookie running backs coming in is pretty nuts. So it's going to throw a wrench in a lot of things, but... If they let Jerry, if the 49ers let Jarek McKinnon and uh, Tevin Coleman walk after the season, Raheem Mostert's value is going to skyrocket, and at least before the NFL draft, it will. And that's going to be one of those situations you can hold on to him through the draft, you know, play a little Russian roulette, and maybe they draft a. You know, maybe they don't draft a running back with any kind of significant draft capital and you come out ahead and smell like roses on that deal. Or you kind of play it safe and you just want to walk away from the table with money. You trade in before the draft, get something useful in return, and then pray that they draft a running back or sign one of these free agent running backs. Um, you know, just something to think about. I don't love Raheem Mostert. I know a lot of people do. He's not going crazy high in drafts right now. I mean, it, it ranges from probably, what, the fifth to sixth round, probably early fifth to late sixth round, probably. Um, but, you know, if he goes out and he has a role that a lot of people are projecting for him and he plays fairly well, and then they let these two dudes walk after the season, I mean, that's... It's a value spike, and you're going to be able to flip him for more than what you paid for him. <laughs> We've got Mike Williams on the docket up next. Look, Keenan Allen is in the last year of his deal. I would assume that they re-sign Keenan Allen. But what do I know? This is what I don't understand. Is There's been a few years in a row now that teams bring in rookie quarterbacks and eviscerate the weapons. <laughs> like the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield and let Corey Coleman go and let Josh Gordon go and traded some offensive linemen, which I get that Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon may have been not great to be around, but you bring in this rookie quarterback and then you strip away his weapons and strip away his protection. Uh, you know, last year the Giants drafted Daniel Jones and then traded some offensive line. Or, I mean, traded some offensive linemen to Cleveland. I just, I don't get it. Or traded an offensive lineman. I don't know. The Chargers bring in Justin Herbert. 
I can't imagine they let Keenan Allen go. They shouldn't let Keenan Allen go. But what do I know? NFL teams do stuff that I think they shouldn't do all the time. Like draft freaking Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft. <laughs> you know, or A.J. Dillon in the second round. You know, I don't know. They do stuff like that all the time that I don't think they should do. But they do it anyways. But if the Chargers let Keenan Allen walk and they go into 2021 with Justin Herbert and Mike Williams as the wide receiver one, Dude, that's a good skill match. That's a, that's a nice skill match. You know, Justin Herbert got that rocket arm, that big-time arm, can make downfield throws. Mike Williams has shown the ability to make the downfield catches, the contested catches. He was great at it in college. He's looked pretty good at it in the NFL. Um, so had 1,000 yards last season. was one of the sneakier 1,000-yard seasons. Mike Williams and Odell Beckham Jr. Both had over 1,000 yards last year. Nobody seems to care, but you know, you, if you can buy Mike Williams now or in the middle of the season, whenever Justin Herbert takes over, I would expect Mike Williams to be a little bit more productive or at least get a bunch of targets. And then if they let, if the Chargers let Keenan Allen walk, especially if, if Mike Williams target share goes up with Justin Herbert and the Chargers let Keenan Allen walk. And Mike Williams is going in like the 12th round of Dynasty Startups right now. That's going to be a pretty major upgrade in Dynasty value right there. This one right here is... I don't know. I feel like your eyes are going to glaze over when I say it because... Everybody is in on him, and I've kind of I've had a weird journey with this guy. But Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson are both in the last year of their last years of their deals, which could leave going into the 2021 season a wide receiver core for the Kansas City Chiefs of Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman. Miko Hardman showed some flashes last year. I know he had a very limited target size, you know, target sample, but he busted off some big plays. You know, I mean, he was, I think, led the league in yards after the catch or yards per reception. Um, saw a tweet from Pro Football Focus the other day. There's no denying the dude's speed. He is fast. And, you know, I like, I don't want him returning punts anymore. But I liked that the Chiefs had him returning punts because, you know, I've talked about it before with DJ Moore and such. You know, the fact that the Chiefs had him returning punts just shows that they wanted to put the ball in his hands. You know, they realize that he's not the most polished route runner or maybe he's not the greatest contested catch guy. But the fact that they had him out there returning punts shows that they know him to be elusive and instinctive and a nuanced ball carrier. And if he's the wide receiver two next year, you know, the, the unquestioned wide receiver two for the Kansas City Chiefs next year, I mean, he, I feel like his value is already decent right now, but it's going to spike even higher 
if they let Watkins and Robinson both walk. This is a guy that I've also, I've talked on this podcast before, talked to or talked about on this podcast before, I should say. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's my boy, Anthony Miller. My man. I know he's, he's dealing with an injury right now, but Allen Robinson is in the final year of his deal. Anthony Miller still has 2020 and 2021 left at least. So, you know, he he scored seven touchdowns as a rookie. He put together a respectable second half of the season last year. This dude could be good. You know, I don't expect him to be, you know, a you know a high end wide receiver two for fantasy, but as you know, that's not what you're drafting him for. That's not what you are paying. It's not the price you're paying to acquire him. And you know, if you get him now, and he shows a little bit of, let's say what he did in the second half of last season, if he repeats that this season, and then the Bears let Allen Robinson walk in free agency, he's going to go from, Anthony Miller is going to go from a double-digit round startup pick to probably a seventh rounder or so. Basically a starter. He's going to basically go from being a double-digit pick lottery ticket to a starter. He's going to be being drafted as a starter if they let Allen Robinson walk and he plays up to the ability that I assume he has and I think that most people assume that he has. It's going to bring us to David Montgomery and I'm not very excited about it. There's nothing sexy about David Montgomery for fantasy football, but he does have the pass catching ability and Tariq Cohen is in the final year of his rookie deal. Maybe that means Chicago goes out and maybe they re-sign Tariq Cohen at some point. Maybe they sign a free agent pass catching running back, you know, to replace Tariq Cohen or you know, maybe they don't. Maybe David Montgomery comes out and looks like the player that a lot of people want him to be in 2020. And they let Tariq go and walk. Maybe they bring in a fifth or sixth round satellite back in the draft. And it's a David Montgomery show in Chicago. Um, and he, he's, still not, he's not going super late, but if you get him, where's he going, about the fifth round? So if you can get David Montgomery in the fifth round and he goes out and plays fairly well and Tariq Cohen leaves in the offseason, well, now you're going to be looking at David Montgomery the same way people are looking at, you know, Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette now, but he'll have multiple deals left on his contract and he might, you know, creep back into that third round range. That's going to bring us to uh, Mr. Kenny Galladay. We've got Matt Stafford coming back from injury and Marvin Jones in the final year of his contract. Now, 
if you go back and look at the last 16 games played for both Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, their receiving production is strikingly similar. It's one of the reasons I love Marvin Jones so much at his current price, especially for redraft and best ball, because, I mean, he's he's like Kenny Galladay light, and you're getting him at a 7-8 round discount. And at that point, it's worth it. You know, the Marvin Jones-Matt Stafford stack, especially in best ball leagues, is pretty sexy because of how cheap that stack is and you know we all love Kenny Galladay let's say he goes out with Matt Stafford this year and he played great last year with a carousel of a dumpster fire at quarterback last year and you know he gets Matt Stafford back this year should be a little more efficient play a little better and then Marvin Jones walks in free agency, and he is one of the few undisputed target alpha male dominators, whatever you want to, however many you know adjectives or nouns you want to use. He can be one of the very few true alphas in the league as early as next year. There's not a whole lot of them. If you really think about it, a lot of these wide receiver cores are made up of a one-two punch. You know, the Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry's, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, um, DeAndre Hopkins. It was DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. I I don't know. That's probably not, that's probably not a good example. But, you know, um, there's Devontae Adams. There's Tyreek Hill, which Tyreek Hill has Travis Kelsey to contend with. You know, Michael Thomas now has Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know if that even really means much, but yeah, there are very few, you know, like people say, there are very few workhorse running backs anymore. There might be more workhorse running backs, just off the top of my head, but there might be more three down running backs in the NFL right now than there are true alpha number one target hog wide receivers, at least you know, at the current situation they find themselves in. Kenny Galladay could be that next year. And, you know, he's usually among the tops of the league in yards per reception. He's shown a propensity to score touchdowns. He's got a gunslinger quarterback that's going to throw for a bunch of yards and touchdowns every season as long as he's healthy. And he could be the unquestioned target hog wide receiver in that offense as early as next year. That's going to bring us to Justin Jefferson. The Vikings, while I doubt they exercise it, they do have an option to get out of Adam Thielen's contract after this season. But I just felt obligated to bring it up because, I mean, imagine the riots in the street that are going to happen for Justin Jefferson if he flashes anything as a rookie and the Vikings decide to get out of Adam Thielen's contract, making Justin Jefferson the projected number one wide receiver, and, I mean, would probably be viewed as one of the few target hog alphas in the league at that point. Um, Thank you. 
That's going to bring us to, on the same team, Alexander Madison. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is in the last year of his deal, trying to get an extension done. You know, there was a threat of a holdout, but then Dalvin Cook showed up to camp. But, of course, he came up to camp because he was going to get fined like $50,000 a day if he didn't come to camp. So he came to camp. But now apparently he has ended contract talks, so that doesn't really seem like it's going very well. I've been back on the train of selecting Alexander Madison in leagues that I don't even own Dalvin Cook. I'm in a best ball draft right now on DraftKings. I selected Alexander Madison in the 11th round. I don't even own Dalvin Cook in that league, but that was just one that, you know, I mean, if Dalvin Cook holds out, if he or holds in, as they're saying now, you know, because they're holding out at the facility so they don't get fined. If Dalvin Cook holds out and plays elsewhere, you know, much in the way Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon next season, Alexander Madison's stock is going to skyrocket probably to, what, a second or third round pick if he's as good as we all think he is. It's going to bring us to A.J. Dillon. Much of the same kind of argument. Aaron Jones in the last year of his rookie deal. And Green Bay, as much as I don't agree with it, they seem to be building a, a very old school defense and, you know, run the ball mentality. Um, I said, I'm not super excited about the prospect of that, but it could be great for AJ Dillon for fantasy. It could be fine for fantasy. Um, you know, I don't know what to expect of AJ Dillon in 2020. He's gonna get run. He's he's obviously gonna get run. As much as Aaron Jones truthers don't want to hear it, like, oh, it's a condensed offseason. AJ Dillon hasn't had that much time to work with the offense. He's not going to steal any snaps from Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, yes, he is, actually. He 100% is. Because A.J. Dillon isn't an Aaron Jones type. He's not a he's not an Alvin Kamara type. He is a 250-pound, 4'5'3", 70th percentile straight-line runner. He's a monster. He's got a 97th percentile speed score. He doesn't have to know a bunch of intricacies and pass blocking schemes. Honestly, a majority of the time, A.J. Dillon is on the field. He's probably going to be taking handoffs. And they're just going to try to have him use his side and speed to explode through holes at the offensive line, get to the second level, and try to make a 190-pound defensive back tackle a giant 250-pound man with a full head of steam. Probably not going to happen. So, A.J. Dillon's 100% going to get run as a rookie. Probably not as much as Aaron Jones, obviously, but he's going to get on the field. And if he flashes and they let Aaron Jones walk, well, A.J. Dillon... It's going to skyrocket much, you know, maybe like a vibe of 2019 Derrick Henry where 
people weren't quite all the way bought in. You know, he was going in the fourth, sometimes fifth round. Um, you know, whereas this year, people are taking him as early as five overall now. So, you know, I, it is, I'm not projecting A.J. Dillon to be a fifth round pick next year, but I mean, that, that could happen. I would say that's in the range of possibilities because, I mean, it would take an Aaron Jones departure, but that would make him the lead running back in a run first team. And if they let Aaron Jones walk, I assume that would mean that AJ Dillon looked competent. And at that point, it's a starting running back. So yeah, even if you don't like AJ Dillon, if he is the undisputed starting running back in a run first offense with a good quarterback to keep teams from stacking the box, his draft capital is going to skyrocket and maybe you don't like it. That's fine. That's your time to sell. Now's your time to buy. And that would be your time to sell. This one is a little strange because it's, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the Van Jefferson argument. So I've got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool on the list. You know, I don't love Chase Claypool. I'm I'm lukewarm on Deontay Johnson. Um, obviously led all rookies in receptions last year in 2019. Wasn't the most efficient rookie, obviously. There was a bunch of rookie wide receivers that were more efficient than Deontay Johnson. But he was out there running routes, catching passes nonetheless. You know, returning punts. I've already talked about how much I like you know, I like my rookie wide receivers out there getting the ball in their hands. That shows a propensity to make people miss, get yards after the catch on a reception. And Juju Smith-Schuster is in the final year of his deal. And the reason I bring up the Van Jefferson argument comparison is because, look, they drafted... They drafted Deontay Johnson last year. They drafted Chase Claypool in the second round this year, knowing that Juju was on the last year of his deal. I'm not projecting Juju them to let Juju walk in free agency, but at this point, like it's 50-50 to me. You know, when I first heard the rumors, it was like 95% sure that he was gonna stay with Pittsburgh. And then it slowly you know dissolved all the way down to it's basically a coin toss for me at this point whether I think that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be playing in Pittsburgh past the 2020 season this one kind of an obvious one I don't know how much he can rise I'll talk about it on an upcoming episode but I got Nick Chubb Earlier in the offseason, he was going as a first-round startup pick. As, you know, I don't know. And if you can't, obviously you can't see me right now. You know, I'm doing that thing that snooty people do when they look at their fingernails and they rub it on their lapel. You know, I don't have a lapel. But if I did, you know, I'm doing one of those moves because I was one of the original Kareem Hunt truthers of this upcoming season. And we've watched Kareem Hunt's ADP climb a little bit and climb a little bit, which I'm not a huge fan of because I liked when I was getting him later, obviously. 
But we've also seen Nick Chubb drop out of the first round and drop behind players like Miles Sanders and Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in startup leagues or in redraft leagues, Austin Eckler in redraft leagues. And the reason I'm doing, you know, the snobby rubbing my fingernails on my lapel is because, you know, maybe I contributed to some of that. You know, I don't know. I, I talked about it an awful lot uh, this offseason. A lot on this podcast and a lot on Twitter. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that I don't like Nick Chubb, the player. I love Nick Chubb. Of course I love Nick Chubb. Who doesn't love Nick Chubb? We've all loved Nick Chubb since his days at Georgia. But there's a running back in his backfield right now that has not only led the league in rushing yards just a few years ago, is still relatively young, but he's also a better pass catcher than Nick Chubb is. So Nick Chubb is going to be in more of a timeshare than some of these other guys and more than some people want to admit. You know, I don't see Nick Chubb, you know, basically shrugging Kareem Hunt off to a pure ancillary role. No, Kareem Hunt's going to be on the field. He's going to get carries. He's going to get targets at the expense of Nick Chubb. Um, but Kareem Hunt is likely gone after the 2020 season, which leaves Nick Chubb as the unquestioned lead running back in this offense with, I mean, what should be a better, more efficient run-first offense. They've upgraded their offensive line this year. You know, you've got Odell Beckham Jr. in his second year in this offense with Baker Mayfield. Another year of progress for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, their coaching staff will be going in, you know, Kevin Stefanski will be going into his second year in that system. At which point, Nick Chubb should rise back from, you know, an early, mid-second round startup pick in 2020 to, you know, maybe an early to mid-first round startup pick in 2021. Um, that, honestly, I didn't realize, I didn't expect this to go on this long. That is going to do it. For this episode, I will come back on the next episode with the rest of this list. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Wormack. And as always, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for part two.